morning to you. We are going to take a few minutes and uh, look at the word together. I wish greatly that uh, we were doing this together in person, but uh, I am glad that we have a way to stay connected and uh, a way to share the word with you. So what we're gonna do this morning is uh, I'm gonna tell you a story uh, uh, surrounding the Easter story. And um, I'm going to walk through some of the details of that story. And there's one verse that I want to land on that uh, I think is sort of the, the turning point of the story, the key moment of the story. And um, then I'm going to make just two observations uh, from the story. And then uh, from those two observations, uh, make a couple of applications. So the story is uh, a story about Peter. And uh, you may know of the character Peter uh, as it's told in the Gospels. Of course, he also later wrote uh, two of the books toward the end of the Bible, first and second Peter. But uh, I'm gonna compile some information that comes uh, to us through the telling of the story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So in all four of the Gospels, we have different pieces of detail uh, surrounding Peter's involvement in the in the crucifixion, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. So uh, what I want to do is I want to start actually at the Last Supper. Now, if you've been at Church on the Rock uh, over the last uh, couple of months, we've been digging into the story, uh, the resurrection story. Uh, but we're going to focus in on Peter, and I want to start at the Last Supper, where they're gathered together on Friday evening uh, in the upper room of the home to celebrate Passover communion together, the bread and the wine together. Uh, so there they are. Uh, they are uh, gathered together for a dinner. And at this dinner, there's a number of things that happen, but I want to focus in on one particular storyline. Uh, Jesus says, uh, while they're gathered together at dinner, he says, uh, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to, is uh, for the sake of a loyalty to something else, you're going to turn your back on me. Of course, we know that that was Judas, right? That Judas made the decision, the unfortunate decision, uh, to uh, not just turn his back on Jesus, but actually to sell his, his friendship with Jesus for money, uh, betray him that way. So Jesus references this and says, tonight, this very night, uh, someone who's seated at this table is going to betray me. And Peter hears this. And of course, Peter, who is one of uh, the closest friends of Jesus during his earthly ministry, Peter hears this and he's very bothered by it. And he says, Jesus, I want you to know that I will never, I will never, ever turn my back on you. Uh, it's not in me. That's not the kind of person I am. That's not the kind of follower I am. I am with you uh, to the end. And Jesus forewarns him. He says, Peter, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, tonight, uh, things are not going to go the way that you think they're going to go. Tonight, uh, things are going to get so rough that uh, despite your feeling of, of conviction right now, you're actually going to deny me three times tonight. And uh, just to make sure that in that moment uh, where uh, you uh, enter into denial of your friendship with me, where you pretend that you don't know me, that, that we have not been in a relationship, just to make sure that you're not so lost in your head in that moment, uh, I'm going to set off an alarm when that happens. Uh, a rooster is going to crow 
And that'll be a reminder to you of what I said to you right now. Well, Peter, I don't really know uh, what he's thinking, but we know that he's determined I will not be that person, right? And so they have their dinner together. Uh, the story goes that they left from there after celebrating Passover together, and they went to a garden. Um, and Jesus asked his friends to pray with him. There's a whole story there. And then, sure enough, Judas, one of the 12 uh, closest friends of Jesus, uh, enacts his plan to sell Jesus uh, for money, to betray him, to be arrested. And so they're there in the garden, and uh, Judas shows up, reveals himself as a betrayer, kisses his friend Jesus. He says, this is the guy uh, that you're looking for. And in that same moment, Peter reveals himself as uh, the violent defender of Jesus. Uh, Peter jumps into the fray, he grabs his sword, and he actually attacks uh, one of the guards attempting to arrest Jesus and cuts off his ear, uh, which probably um, reveals mostly that he was not very good with a sword. Uh, but Peter proves himself ready. I'm ready to fight for you. I'm going uh, to do what I said I was going to do. I'm not going down easy. And uh, surely what was in like a confusing plot twist for Peter Jesus declines the opportunity to be rescued. He says, no, 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 I've, I'm, I'm here by my decision. Um, I could opt out of this. That's not the plan. Uh, the plan is that I'm going to be arrested. And uh, the plan is I'm going with these men. So what happens initially is that Jesus is taken from the garden uh, under arrest. And he is uh, taken first to the home of the high priest. Well, the story goes that uh, as, he was, as he was taken off into the home of the high priest, um, of course, the high priest during that time would have been wealthy. Uh, and so uh, there's a home, and then there would have been a, a courtyard, uh, sort of like a gated or walled-in area in front of the home. And the story tells us that two of the disciples actually followed the guards who were escorting Jesus to the home of the high priest. And one of them knew the high priest and was able to gain access into the courtyard to sort of watch what was going on. Peter uh, had no access, and so when the one disciple who had gone inside, it doesn't actually say who it was, uh, had gone inside, he came back and asked, uh, the, the, there's a servant girl guarding the access to the courtyard, asked her permission uh, for Peter to also enter into the courtyard with him to be there as a witness to what was happening to Jesus, as Jesus is just now in the initial stages of being put on trial. Well, the servant girl says, wait a second, Aren't you one of the one of the men who was with Jesus during his ministry? And uh, Peter says, "No, he's, he's put on the spot, of course. No, I no, I'm not not one of his followers." And uh, he pretends he's, he's surprised by the question. He doesn't he doesn't know. He's just you know there to see what's up. And so the story goes on uh, that that another person uh, immediately presses him on that point and says, "No, I." I'm pretty sure that I saw you at one point with Jesus during his time. And uh, Peter denies it again and succeeds in his, uh, in his deception. And he's admitted access. And so he, he enters into the courtyard. And Jesus is there in the home uh, being interrogated. And uh, Peter is there in the courtyard uh, near the fire, you know, just sort of warming himself by the fire, uh, listening to what's going on. So a while later, uh, as Jesus is being interrogated in the home of the high priest, uh, Peter's warming himself by the fire. Another person identifies Peter and says, 
I'm pretty sure that you were one of the guys who's been with Jesus. And then they said this. In fact, the way that you talk kind of gives you away uh, as one of his followers. And so Peter realizes that his, uh, his conversation uh, is, uh, is giving him away. And so it says that he resorted to cussing, to swearing. Uh, he, he immediately takes on this uh, sort of rough, uh, rough and tough, maybe sailor uh, persona to try to prove that he is not one of the followers of Jesus. Uh, he curses at the girl uh, who's, who's asking him, or actually this one, we don't know if it was a girl or not, but whoever was uh, bringing the accusation against him curses at them and uh, is very convincing uh, in his, his quick adoption of this rough, coarse personality. And so they back off uh, after his forceful denial. And then it says that immediately upon his third opportunity uh, to acknowledge that he was in fact a follower of Jesus uh, and instead denying it, immediately after the third time, uh, it tells us that the rooster crowed. And then Luke is the only gospel uh, that clues us into one really critical detail. And this is the detail that I want to focus on. Uh, and I want to, we're going to go past this little detail and then we're going to come back to it and examine it a little more closely. But in Luke twenty two sixty one. Uh, it says that the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So immediately upon the third denial, the rooster crows. And somehow from in the house where Jesus is to the courtyard where Peter is, the two men make eye contact in that moment. It says that uh, in Luke twenty-two sixty-one, 61, it says that the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered in that moment, what Jesus had said to him at dinner and how he had told him that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Well, the story tells us that immediately uh, Peter was stricken. Uh, it tells us that he, he left the scene. He couldn't keep it together anymore. He left the scene and he wept bitterly uh, it's kind of out of it at that point he's he's out for the count well, of course the way the rest of the story of uh, the passion weekend goes jesus's prosecutors were successful in litigating their case in fact they won uh, the severest of penalties uh, they won the death penalty in a very uh, brief and um, dishonest trial proceeding. Given the opportunity to let a criminal go, they decided to let a real criminal go, Barabbas, and have Jesus uh, suffer the penalty uh, their accusations, which was death. So the innocent would die, uh, the guilty would walk free, and just as the crowd pleaded, as they had pleaded, it would be so. Let his blood be on our heads, that's what they had asked. And so the Son of Man was crucified by those that he came to save. And in the wisdom and foreknowledge of God, the eternal foreknowledge of God, humanity's darkest, most evil hour was flipped on its head and became the hour of our salvation. So then the story goes to Sunday morning, where we're at now. 
And it tells us that uh, the first ones to visit the tomb on Sunday morning were a couple of women who were friends of Jesus, followers of his. And when they arrive there, they are instructed by visitors from heaven, angelic visitors from heaven, to go and tell the disciples that Jesus is alive. And the angelic visitor actually says to the women, he says, I want you to go and tell the disciples that Jesus is alive, and I want you to tell Peter. Well, Jesus and Peter meet again after this all sort of shakes out. Uh, they meet again for a pivotal moment, and it's found in the, in the 21st chapter of John. Peter, defeated, uh, confused, lost, certainly, uh, turns to his friends and says, hey, guys, uh, let's go fishing. We know how to do that, right? They've given up their livelihood to follow Jesus. Uh, Jesus has died and then resurrected. They're still confused as to what that all means. Uh, Peter certainly knows that uh, his failure has been tremendous. Um, so he says, let's go fishing. So they go fishing. Apparently, they've forgotten how to fish. So uh, they're not doing very well. And in the morning, Jesus shows up on the beach and says, uh, try the other side of the boat, hearkening back to a miracle from when they had first met. Uh, so they do. They cast the nets on either side. They get a massive haul of fish. And uh, it says that Peter realized it was Jesus on the beach. who jumped out of the boat and single-handedly drug the net onto the beach with 153 fish in it. Well, the two of them sit around the fire for a little bit, uh, eating some uh, fish for breakfast. And uh, Jesus and Peter get to have a brief uh, debrief. John 21, Jesus asks Peter uh, if, if Peter really loves him. He says, do you love me? And, and Peter responds uh, uh, with an assertion. He says, you know that I love you. In other words, I'm aware that you know the quality of my love for you, right? And Peter says, uh, or Jesus says to Peter, um, if you love me, then I want you to feed my sheep. In other words, if you do love me, I want you to start doing uh, the thing that I've been doing, the thing that I will be continuing to do. Uh, I want you to get back on board with the purpose and commission that I placed on your life. Uh, that I have given you, that I have granted you. If you love me, join with me in what I'm doing. Not if you love me, you would not have done that. Not if you love me, then you should have done this. It says, Peter, if you love me, decide right now to get on board with what I'm doing. Join in what I've called you to do and what I'm already doing. And in their last recorded conversation in John 21, Jesus says to him, verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. And then John tells us that Jesus was referring to the way that Peter would die. Jesus, knowing full well of Peter's denial, also knows full well in advance that Peter will not deny him the next time around. He knows in advance, in fact, he prophesies in advance that Peter is going to get it right. Last time, Peter ran away. Next time, he will not. Of course, we know from history that Peter would pay the ultimate price of his life uh, for following Jesus. 
So that's a little story about Peter. Now I want to make uh, two observations. First one is this. Peter was absolutely committed to following Jesus on his terms. Peter was in it. He was ready to rumble. He was ready to go. He was ready to grab a sword and do what no one else would do. Peter seemed at least ready to give his life for this revolution that he was waiting to happen, this political revolution of overtaking and overthrowing Roman authority. There's only one problem, and that is that Jesus was not on board with Peter's plan. Peter was completely committed to following Jesus on Peter's terms. And when Jesus's terms uh, took precedent, Peter couldn't stick around for it. He couldn't last. Second observation is this. Peter's lowest moment was not the moment that he denied Jesus. Peter's lowest moment was being seen in his denial. Peter's lowest moment was, was that moment when it says that the Lord saw him in his moment of denial. That when the, when the rooster crowed, Jesus looked at Peter, and the two of them knew in that moment that Peter had bailed on him, that Peter had deserted him. It was this moment, Jesus, the Son of God, seeing Peter in his shame, that drove Peter to the depths and ultimately drove him to return to his life as a fisherman. See, Peter knew better. Uh, Peter had planned to do better. Peter had promised to do better. Peter had no excuses, and Peter only had Peter to blame. Peter's lowest moment was not his denial. It was being seen in his denial. So now I want to end with this. I want to speak to two groups. The first group that I want to speak to are those who have been, maybe at one time, you were on board with following God. You were on board with following God as long as God was on board with your plans. When you realize that God was not on board with your plans, when you realize that following him on his path would be costly, you failed. For some of you, that was very early. You were barely down the path of following, and then you decided, I'm out. For others, it was a long ways down the path. At some point, when it became uh, very clear that God was not going to get on board with your plans, you said, I'm out. Either way, the end result is that you're no longer following. To this group, I would say that on the other side of death is resurrection. Because of the resurrection, you can change your mind 
Peter wanted so badly for Jesus to get on board with him, with his plans. But in the end, Peter changed his mind and joined Jesus. It's Peter that wrote in 1 Peter 2, 20 through 24, what credit is there if when you sin and you're harshly treated, you endure with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it and you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. The one who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats. But he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. Peter made the decision after bailing in response to Jesus' invitation, made the decision to change his mind and to turn again and to follow Jesus. The second group that I want to speak to is the group of people who have never recovered from being seen in their own sin. And I don't know what this maybe looked like in your situation. I know I've been caught in sin, dead to rights. I want to speak to the ones who knew better, the ones who had planned to do better, the ones who had promised to do better. The ones with no excuses, who then blew it big time. This group is the ones who were seen at their worst and have not been able to face God's ends. If you're in this group, you might just be the one who has wept bitterly alone in your failure. And to this group, I would say this. On the other side of death is resurrection. Because of the resurrection, you are invited to a life of purpose with Jesus. You are invited on the other side of the resurrection to join with Jesus. You are invited into relationship with the risen, forgiven, or forgiving, sin-obliterating Jesus, the Son of God. I'm guessing that if you could hear the angels, they would be mentioning you by name as well. Go tell his disciples that Jesus is risen and tell Aaron. Go, go tell the disciples that Jesus is risen and make sure you, you tell Drew. Make sure you tell Rhonda. See, every one of us has responded on the other side of failure to the renewed invitation to be in relationship with Jesus. And the other side of death is resurrection. Do you love me? Then join me. Not, do you love me? Then you shouldn't have done that. Do you love me? Then you should have done this. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, you know. You know my heart. Okay, 
and join me today. You can choose, join me today. Let's go, let's do this. Jesus restores not just uh, rightness to Peter, not just forgiveness to Peter, but restores Peter to Peter's calling. Peter would later go on to write 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, protected by the power of God through faith by his mercy. Peter, of all, of all the disciples, of all the ones who had walked with Jesus, knew it's up to me my obedience is no hope. But you have a salvation. You have an inheritance. You have promises that are protected by God that you have received through faith. And so if you're in the first group, and when Jesus didn't come on board with your plans, you walked away, you can choose today because of the resurrection to join him in what he's doing. If you're in the group who has wept bitterly over your own failure and lost your way, you're invited to join him, to be in relationship with him. And you just have to say yes to both groups. You just have to say yes. You have to say, today I'm deciding. I'm going to say yes to the invitation. I'm going to say yes to the promises that are protected by God's goodness, by God's grace the salvation that he has provided to me that I have simply received by faith. If you're like me, you've probably been in both groups at one point or another. Russell, to understand, God, what are you doing? Why are you not doing the things that I wanted you to do? Why are you not going along with the plans that I have put in place? And if you're like me, you have found yourself at times dead to rights, caught in your sin, eyes of God looking on you and known and I knew better I blew it just say yes to Jesus today his hand is extended to you and you can say yes to him that's my prayer for you for those who are listening just say yes today say Jesus yes I'm in I'm in with you I've blown it. I screwed up. I've walked away. But today I'm turning back. Today I'm going to respond to your invitation. Today I'm going to join you.